2: All right, welcome back to Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig here along with Brit Giroli. We write for The Athletic, but today we're talking with you until 9 o'clock. We've, we're going to talk Major League Baseball prospects with Keith Law at 8 o'clock. But right now, we're going to take your calls at 800-636-1067 about what the Washington Commanders should do at 11. Now, if you want to just say they should take a quarterback, I mean, it's not like I can sit here and tell you that you're wrong. That's obviously the biggest need. It is the logical conclusion. I, however, in my mock draft over on The Athletic, have zagged or zigged or whichever way you want to say a little bit by going with the theory that if they're going to do whatever they can to get a veteran quarterback or, do, or try their darndest, then maybe they actually do get somebody and don't need to spend the 11th pick on a quarterback. I didn't even think we've discussed who I picked. We can get to that in a second. But first, Britt, we have a call here on the line. Gus from Alexandria wants to talk mock drafts. Gus, you're on with Ben and Britt on 106.7 The Fan. Oh, by the way, Gus is here on the MGM National Harbor listener line. Let's go. Gus, what you got? Hey, Ben and Britt. So I read it, and I saw that you picked
3: Kobe Dean. And I didn't even see other like uh, pundits in the area like uh, Kevin Sheehan want that as well, and I hate that pick. Ooh. I hate it so much because uh, Layton Collins is the same size. Came from the same situation where Alabama had a crazy good defense and made him look good. We need a Mike linebacker, not an outside linebacker, not an undersized guy. He may be good, but to pick that position that high, that's not going to solve any defensive problems for us.
2: Uh, it's it's a reasonable thought. I, I talked to some uh, scouts about like basically the question, isn't a Kobe Dean a Mike linebacker? I think there's some debate over whether he is, and obviously if you get to that point and the and the, the commanders determine they don't think so, then fair enough. They, they got to do that. But what what Nicoby Dean also was, he was the, no pun intended, the commander of Georgia's national championship defense. He was the guy that everybody there gravitated towards. And, and sometimes it isn't just 100% about talent. It's also who can orchestrate all the pieces around you to be in a coherent group. And I think part of Washington's problem last year was they didn't really have that. And we, early in the year, when they had all that miscommunication, something was off. So if they determined that he is that guy in terms of the position, as well as that leadership, then I do think it could make a lot of sense. Uh, Devin Lloyd, the, the other uh, inside linebacker, I guess you could say, or linebacker, who's going to be projected top 15 would be another guy, sort of same thing. Some people tell me they think he's a, he's a Mike. Some say he's more off the ball. I think that's a conversation obviously Washington has got to be having for themselves. Uh, But yeah, if they're like you and and don't see him being the right size to have that role, then yeah, don't do it. But to me, it seemed like a reasonable call all the way around, just based on talking to people around the league and what this team kind of needs right now.
4: Yeah. And you know what, though, I was going to ask him before we lost him is who would he have taken again? We talked about this before. The reason why it's out of the box to say, hey, let's get a quarterback at 11 is because you're not getting a franchise-altering quarterback at 11. So who are you getting at 11 that's going to change the shape of the right? You have to go for the best player at that that point, right? You're not getting, again, a Joe Burrow. He doesn't exist out there. You're not getting a guy who's going to immediately or very quickly change your team. So I like the out-of-box thinking, Ben, because I like— the idea of not solving the quarterback through the draft because they waited too long. Two years ago, I was all about solving the quarterback through the draft. Last year, you could have solved the quarterback through the draft. But they obviously thought they had other options. Those options did not pan out. Injury, underperformance. They never thought they'd be in a situation where Taylor Heineke was the guy. But here we are. And, you know, so I like getting a veteran. And do you want to hear my hot take that I teased before the break that I really want to get your opinion on?
2: 1 million percent.
4: Great. I want to know if Matt Stafford was on Washington. Oh boy. Would they have been a Super Bowl team? I
2: mean, is Matt Stafford making the defense uh not fall to 27th in DVOA?
4: No. No. All the all the injuries, everything else remains the same except Matt Stafford. Is healthy and plays the year as he did. And again, he led the league, I think, in interceptions, right? So he has, he obviously had warts. People love pointing that out. Um, I feel like people don't give Matt Stafford the credit that he's due, but maybe that's because I went to Michigan State and watched him on the Lions for so long. And so I kind of pulled for the guy. Sure. But You know, no matter what, now people are debating whether he's a Hall of Famer. Like, I just want a Super Bowl. Leave him alone. Um, But anyway, what do you you think about
2: that? Well, look, I think on the one hand, for all the talk about all that went wrong this year and that Taylor Heineke was a fun guy and, you know, what is not a guy you want starter, they still won seven games and were six and six with five to go when everything just completely fell apart at the end of the year. So if you tell me that you have Matt Stafford and some of those early games where you just couldn't get the ball in the end zone, the offense kind of broke down, Maybe he'd get there. Plus, when you have a guy like Stafford, it gives confidence to everybody in the organization that in every single game, no matter what's happening, you have a chance to come back and win. I think Stafford has more comeback victories than basically all the other quarterbacks right now, um, at least in the post-Brady world, or at least in the last few years. But that said, I mean, the defense was that bad. The issue would be how, how would the defense have responded? They were not that great. Uh, we've got some more calls, though, here. On the line, Britt, let's go to Matt in Stafford. No, that's a joke, right? <laughs> we just were talking about Matthew Stafford, and and we have a Matt in Stafford on the line. All right, Matt in Stafford, you're on with Ben and Britt.
5: Hey, um, Malik Willis, his uh, stock is just going to continue to rise. The next few weeks, he'll be viewed as a uh, franchise-altering kind of prospect. So you got to trade up now, and that's what Washington needs to do. Is get up into the top two or three and lock him down, go with Heineke, and make Heineke the captain starting the first few weeks and have Willis come in. Uh, and I believe he is that type of player. Uh, wh- why? I mean, I, have you seen him play?
2: Obviously, he played college ball in Liberty. That's not exactly near Stafford, but have you actually seen him play?
5: Um, just the highlight, the YouTube highlights. <laughs> gotcha. I but, mean, I mean, hey, he, he is.
2: The, uh, oh, sorry, no, he is the prospect of the top guys that people have the most see the most upside in. And if you were going to pick pick somebody on what their potential could be, it would be him. He's got the dual threat scenario. He's got one of the strongest arms to come out uh, out of college. And he he can he can certainly run very mobile. Uh, you know, there's a, there's going to be some warts to use a term that British just used a few minutes ago throws the ball a little bit flat. He's coming out of out of the school he's coming from. Most people I talk to, even his supporters, say he's probably going to have to sit a year, ideally, to watch and learn, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, depending on your situation. Um, I, I don't know if I think he's getting to the top two or three picks. If he is, look, even if somebody gets picked in the fifth round, they could obviously become a viable NFL starter. It's just we're talking about what is the likelihood I don't know if I'm seeing him getting moved that high up. Uh, if you tell me Carolina at uh, six takes him because they're desperate, maybe. But I, I, at right now, I, the odds to me don't suggest any of these quarterbacks are going to well, go that high. But I totally get why he's I- I- intriguing uh, for sure.
5: The one thing I'd point to is Trey Lance moving up the board last, uh, last year. Um, you know, he didn't have amazing tape either. But everybody wants the next Josh Allen. They want to take that chance, uh, and everyone's going to be fighting over Willis here. Next few weeks, he's going to skyrocket up to that top top spot. All right, well, well Matt, yeah.
2: Matt, definitely appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. I think the only thing I'll say for Trey Lance is, the year before, Trey Lance was already getting some buzz as the number one quarterback, at least rivaling Trevor Lawrence. Now, obviously, to only to a degree. I don't think Malik Willis... I totally get the comparison from the small school aspect that makes sense. I I don't know if if the teams see that uh, as well. If they did, he would – I mean, in a year in which none of these quarterbacks are getting buzz, he's an easy – and by the way, the top of this draft isn't even that exciting. Regardless of any of the positions, there's nobody going, wow, this is an amazing top. So if a quarterback had that type of potential, he'd be a locked top three pick this year if people saw it that way.
4: Yeah, I love when you get feisty, Ben, with these callers, especially when they tell you, no, Ben, your mock draft is wrong. Um, That's what I love about mock drafts. Like Everybody is right. They're literally pretend. They're literally made-up stories about what you think they might do. Um, And it was an interesting take. It it was a little bit of a different spin than what I've seen before. Um, And, you know, I think, again, besides quarterback, what position or prospects should the commanders target at 11? You know, we want to know your thoughts, Eight hundred. 636 1067. When we come back, we'll talk a little football as well. We'll recap what was essentially a huge day in the MLB lockout. Um, a bunch of news going on in baseball as well. We'll recap what that means for opening day, uh, spring training as well. Um, stick with us, Britta Jiroli, Ben Standing, here with you until 9.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet?
4: All right. Welcome back. Richaroli.
2: Did you forget your name?
4: No. I was letting them. When, when the guy is singing, I feel bad talking over him.
2: Oh, okay. Just for a second. I, I was waiting. The way you, pa- I was like, well, I was like, oh my God, did she just break?
4: The other voice you hear is Ben Standing, my colleague and fo- now former friend, um, who has shamed me on radio. No. I was I was waiting for the music to her out so that I wasn't screaming over the music. I'm. I'm a scream talker already. I'm from a big Italian family. We're a family of Scream Talkers. Mm-hmm. So I'm very cognizant of that, Ben. Fair. Just letting it play out.
2: Fair enough. Fair letting enough. It play out. See, I come from, I'm 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 Jewish. There's a lot of angst in my background. So when you pause, I was like, Oh no, did something just happen? <laughs> that's right. That's where I went.
4: Sometimes you let the tension build. People were wondering, who is that? That voice is not familiar. Or, oh, do I know who that is? You let the tension build.
2: Well, this is why you're a great storyteller.
4: Not exactly. But anyway, um, we write for The Athletic. We are here until nine on overtime uh, tonight talking all kinds of Washington sports, all kinds of sports in general. Really? Um, I teased before the break the big news in MLB today, the three hour meeting between the league um, and the Players Association. They made a little bit of progress uh, moving forward. They're going to meet tomorrow. What's most important, Ben? I think it's not this like incremental updates every day. But the fact that these are going to be really long meetings and it's only Monday and they are doing this every day down in Jupiter and hopefully by Friday they can reach an agreement.
2: Let's hope. We talked about this when we we were on the show together on Friday, just how often major league baseball just gets, cannot get out of its own way when it comes to keeping their sport afloat. It's already a sport that's lost a lot of people, myself included in a general sense. And, it shouldn't be that way, but they just make it complicated. So hopefully they get this going here and get back to, um, you know, actually playing baseball. Looks like we spring training may be in jeopardy regardless, but, you know, can't have the season start late.
4: You know why I'm optimistic As Max Scherzer is there. And I think Max Scherzer, after several days, is just going to stand up, stare like he does on the mound, and just start screaming and swearing until something gets done. That's the, it. He's part of that eight-player subcommittee. There's a lot of players down in Florida that either live there um, or, you know, are just down there, have houses down there from spring training or whatever. Um, So they're going to have a big group represented. They're going to filter in throughout the week. And, you know, Scherzer has been a very active part of the union. He wants to change the game. And, you know, I don't know about you, Ben. I don't know. Have you ever interviewed Max Scherzer in person? I I have. Okay. Have you ever seen him angry in an interview scenario?
2: Not not in the way that you're describing. But it's I'm-
4: terrifying. He's t- I, I love Max Scherzer. I loved covering him. Um, I still appreciate talking with him about baseball. Uh, he is not someone you want to anger. I cannot imagine um, if those things get heated, and they have reportedly gotten pretty heated uh, up until this point. Today, not so much. Um, it's terrifying, Ben. I mean, he's got that stare. He's got the two different colored eyes. It, it is a lot. Trust me. He's not a, a somebody you want to anger, for sure.
2: Uh, for sure, we we may have angered up. Oh, we, we may have angered the the caller who was on hold who just right as I was about to grab, uh, jumped off. So hopefully they'll call back 800-636-1067. We have been taking your calls about speaking of a different sport about the uh, Washington Commanders, what they could do at eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it, quarterback. And if you really want to pitch somebody that you think is great, we had a caller a few minutes ago say, "Hey, Malik Willis is so good, he won't even be there at eleven for sure." But what else could they do? I projected a linebacker, N'Kobe Dean from Georgia, who was the central figure for the national championship team, uh, to Washington. Ron Rivera has already stated that it does not look like neither uh, Jamin Davis nor Cole Holcomb is suited for that all-important Mike linebacker spot. How do they address that? I get it. Two years in a row going linebacker round one is probably not an ideal uh, use of your of your resources. But if you're going to just say, well, then then take a quarterback, oh, okay, we might as well just not do any mock drafts until we get through free agency. So this is a way to do something else. Tell us what you think, 800-636-1067.
4: Here's the thing, though. So that they solve quarterback in free agency, they still have a laundry list of things that need to be done here. It's not like that one move, and we talked about this uh, last segment, does Stafford make them, a Super Bowl team and use of the answer was no. Um, he makes them a playoff team, but to go deep into the playoffs, well, you do need a really good quarterback. We also just need a well-rounded team in general. And there are definitely some upgrades beyond quarterback that you've delved into in, in mailbags and in stories that this team kind of needs to make if they're going to take that big step forward in year three.
2: So one of those things that I discussed the other day, actually, before we get to that, I, I, what, somebody else I wrote my mailbag about Chase Young. Is it conceivable that he could get traded as part? Well, for any particular reason. My response to that generated some uh, internet <laughs> uh, I- internet musings run run a am- run amok. We'll get to that in a second. But we have uh, Jeffrey on the line. I- I'm assuming Jeffrey here wants to discuss w- what Washington might do at 11. But we'll find out. Jeffrey, you are on here with ben and Britt. i wow. think jeffrey is there
4: did you just forget your name
2: <laughs> no i <laughs> i'm not sure well we're gonna let for our, our producer linnell figure out if we got a if we got a caller there or or not um but yeah i like like we said Britt. i think the the question is what about the other line linnell's out there we have two people on on hold but i don't know what's going on
4: and you lost them both should oh, yeah. I take back over the phone lines? I, I think this is the time we tell everyone. This is Ben's first night working the phones. So far, not great. All
2: right. Well, we do have another call here on the line. We'll, we'll go with the fact that this might be about Washington, Washington's options at 11. You're on with Brandon Britt. What you got?
3: Hey, this you, um, hi guys. I'm sorry. Um, you guys were asking if you don't draft a quarterback, who should you draft? And there are a lot of mock drafts that have Derek Stingley. Dropping down into the teens or into the double digits, and I mean, they talked about before his injury, he was probably the best corner his freshman year, best corner in college football. So even though we just paid um, William Jackson, who was a bum, I mean, he just was learning, but whatever. And um, Kendall Fuller, I, I, don't, I think you got to take him if you if you don't go quarterback.
2: Yeah, I mean, wh- you know, one way to look at it is what are the other premium positions, right? And pass rusher is one of them. If case young and Montez Sweat are on this team, and you're going to plan on extending them, then that's probably not exa- exactly a way to go. They they're, they're They have two guys at, at offensive tackle who are under contract. So you're kind of there. The other main position though is cornerback and you're right. You're right. They do pay William Jackson, and Kendall Fuller good money, but it is a position where you can always use more. So, it's not the it's not a bad idea to take a cornerback there. And you mentioned Stingley. You're right. He was a guy some people even now I see still think he could be a, a top five pick. That, that seems to be perhaps a bit aggressive. But he definitely, as you pointed out a couple years ago, was was really uh, being touted by a lot of the uh, draft evaluators. So, look, if you tell me they take a cornerback at 11, that won't be the worst idea. The only hesitation I would have, Britt, is that not only are you paying Jackson or Fuller good money, at least this year, but you're in a division which, other than Dak Prescott, you've got uh, Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts, two guys that are not lighting it up from a quarterback position. And granted, if you're talking about the playoffs, well, then you're going to be facing Aaron Rodgers and whoever else. But most of your games are in division, and this is like not a division that at the moment is looking like an overly dominant. It's not dominant with uh, dominant with passers. So that would be my only hesitation, really. But it's not it's not a bad idea uh, at all.
4: That makes, sense. that makes sense. See, Ben? I'm sorry. No, can, you're gonna you can appreciate have mock drafts. Yeah, you can have mock drafts that are without arguing. This has been good. Did you lose the other caller? Yeah, I I, I,
2: don't, know how, I don't know how I don't know I don't know how phones work. Apparently. Crushing it.
4: Crushing it. You know what? It Kai? was not
2: on you, Ben. He he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Linnell, how dare you come in here and poke holes in my lies. Uh, if you do want to call and you feel comfortable with Ben, maybe. Not dropping you, uh, 800-636-1067. We want to know what you think about his mock draft. What you think about, you know, maybe not taking a quarterback at that eleven spot. Maybe maybe going somewhere else. You know, Ben is on your side if you want to think a little out of the box, and we are all about being out of the box here. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that when we get back at eight o'clock. We're going to talk Nats prospects with Keith Law. Get into some MLB talk as well. Uh, Britcheroli and Ben standing. Here with you on 106.7 The Fan Overtime.
2: Uh, Jeff, we're going to hit Jeff on the other side of the break. We want to tease the world. Jeff's been trying to call. We want to see what Jeff has to say. That's the tease. We'll be right back with Ben, Britt, and Jeff on 106.7 The Fan. All right, welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig here. brick Giroli is here. We are with you until 9 o'clock at 8 o'clock. We're going to be talking with one of our colleagues at The Athletic, Keith Law, who is the go-to guy when it comes to Major League prospects. A bunch to talk about there. I mean, hey, there's no actual games coming happening at this exact moment, so we might as well talk about people who... Might play in the Major League Baseball one day. But first, Britt, we have a chance here to delve in to what it is that Jeffrey from, it says Jeffrey from San Diego. Impressive if we got a West Coast audience here. Jeffrey from San Diego. We tried to get him before in the last segment. The phone the phone gods were not with us, but we are back together again. Jeffrey, you're on with Ben and Britt. We're talking what the commanders might do at 11. Let's hear it. What you got?
3: Hello, Ben and Brit, or Britt and Ben.
2: Yeah, Britt and Ben So is uh, my philosophy...
3: Yeah, Britt and Ben. Either way, it sounds good. And I appreciate the work that both of you guys did with uh, Brit, I'm a big Arden Orioles fan, so uh, I followed your work uh, when you were doing the Orioles, and uh, I listen to Ben, your podcast, regularly. So there you go. I'm buttering both of you up <laughs> before I start. <laughs> anyway, my philosophy on this thing is... The, the 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 linebacker position. Every position is irrelevant until you know it's not. I'm not. I'm not spreading the gospel by saying until we solve the quarterback problem. So, and from a team building standpoint, if you're going to throw thirty five or forty million dollars at a Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins, you might as well draft Kenny Pickett at eleven and get five years of cheap on him and have this similar uh, player. In my estimation. So, I'm not going to draft Kenny Pickett, but I'm also not going to waste the money on a linebacker because if you look around the free agent market, the linebackers are getting probably after maybe tight end, maybe safety, the linebackers are getting the cheapest deals. The guys that are getting the biggest deals after quarterbacks are a wide receiver. And I know, Ben, you have an aversion to uh, drafting wide receivers high but I kind of take the opposite approach that if you get that big wide receiver and you get five years on him cheap, uh, you know, he's going to make a big difference. The guys that are making the difference are the Tyreek Hills and uh, the Cooper Cups and the playoffs besides the quarterbacks. Those are the guys that were making the difference uh, to, to my estimation.
2: Yeah, Jeffrey, no, uh, good, good stuff. I definitely appreciate it, uh, and, and I'm glad we uh, we all persevered because that was a good that was a good call there. Um, by the way, this is the second person today who's made a reference to the fact that I have apparently an aversion to wide re- drafting wide receivers high, which is interesting, but you know, like, I feel like I'm just like spouting off into the nothingness and apparently people are listening sometimes. Um, so here's what I would say. Ultimately, while the, the, the general concept is you're right, there are certain positions that are less valued when it comes to team spending. It doesn't mean there aren't good players there and that it's not important. Uh, I would say that Devin White, now he was the fifth pick in the draft last year for Tampa Bay, for all the Tom Brady talk, Devin White was probably the MVP of the Buccaneers playoff run last year. And players at any of these spots could make a huge deal. But here's the other thing that I don't know if people quite understand sometimes with the mock drafts. These are not necessarily what I would do. The point of a mock draft is to guess what they will do to the best you can. And Ron Rivera himself played linebacker in the pros. His defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, played linebacker in the pros. The previous year, one reason that I was keying in on linebackers last draft was because Ron Rivera made it pretty clear he wasn't thrilled with their linebacker play. And now he has come out and said that the guy they took in the first round last year is probably not, probably does not have the traits he is looking for at that position, which says to me that Ron Rivera knows they still need to get one. Now, of course, just like I made the point with the quarterback, they could go get one in the first round. But it feels like a guy like Nicobe Dean, from a pure talent perspective, is being viewed as somebody worthy of the eleventh pick, whereas the the quarterbacks are all being thrown up way higher than they're showing up on any big board because of the importance of the position, right? So that would be my argument. Like it's yes, they they it's not the position you maybe want to spend the most on. But we're just talking talent, and then also what this guy actually probably wants to do.
4: Yeah, but the last time they did, they had a. I don't want to say outside the box pick, but, you know, they took Jace Young at number two in 2020, right? And if he doesn't have a bounce back year, that could that could be a significant misstep for this organization, right? To take a guy like that who you know had a good rookie year, um, but you don't really know what you're going to get. So, I don't know, how much do you trust this organization going outside the box and not picking a quarterback to, to go and get a guy who's going to actually help? when they've had a track record of some pretty big busts, not saying that chase young is a bust yet. I don't think we put him in that category yet. Um, But just in general, how much do you trust this organization, man?
2: Well, then there's, I mean, there is always that component, right? Can, you know, a lot of times with any player in any, in any sport, it isn't just the talent. It is also once you put this person in that organization, do they have the coaching staff? Do they have the culture to get, to get everybody right? Sometimes the answer is just absolutely. Yes. And other times, it is a distinct no. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I... I would say the jury is still out here. Uh, you, you know, they, they have done some good things, but at the same time, yeah, there are still some questions to go. And Jamin Davis last year, again, I'm not writing Jamin Davis off, but he obviously didn't live up to expectations based on being a first-round pick. And that's why I'm... Even that, that that I'm considering a linebacker says something about, I think, the, the rookie year that Jamin Davis had and the reaction that Ron Rivera had to it. So, you know, w- yes, it isn't just the player. It's a lot of the player, but it is also can the coaching staff and the culture help the player get reach their potential.
4: Yeah, and you know, that that was a great call by Jeff. Um, really interesting stuff. The MGM National Harbor listener line, uh, you know, kind of ta- taking us through why he would take a wide receiver, why Ben clearly hates wide receivers. Um, if you have an opinion on who the commander should target, Uh, At 11, whether that's a quarterback or whether, like, Ben, you're going to go somewhere else with it, uh, give us a call. 800-636-1067. We'll be here until 9. Ben will be here for months and months debating this very thing until it happens. And then he'll debate what they could and couldn't have done, what they did wrong. It is, you know,
2: you you know, there's that meme. I think it's from the it's always sunny in Philadelphia where it's like the the guys do it. There's like a conspiracy, like there's this conspiracy theory wall behind him. When I'm into the mock draft season, it is a fair, it is a fair view of 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 the world. When I'm really, I'm not there yet, and we'll see if I even get there this year. But like when I have been like that, it is just revisions and revisions and revisions and revisions, and it is, it it is, it is a lot. Um, I will say to to the point of the receiver, uh, it, it is correct. If I have said many times, it's not to me one of the positions I want to invest in a ton, which isn't to say it shouldn't be invested in. They have Terry McLaurin on the team right now. Part of the conversation we were all having at the end of the year was are they going to extend him? That in theory will could still be happening. So that would be a lot of money to give him. They just paid Curtis Samuel a bunch of money last year. I know it didn't work out, but that's already two receivers that you will be paying a bunch of money to. Furthermore, it is the one position I feel every year that there is an absolute surplus in the draft. He mentioned Cooper Cup, who just won the MVP. You mentioned Tyreek Hill, who might be the biggest game-changer at the position. I I believe neither of them were picked in the first round. Now, I know you can take guys in the first round. Jamar Chase on the Bengals was the fifth pick, but it's a position you can typically find guys elsewhere. And lastly, that's a spot where the good quarterback makes the receiver better far more than the other way around. If you had Jamar Chase here with Taylor Heineke, I don't know if it's that much different, but if you had... Your Matt to use, It's true. Be,
4: it's the Matt Stafford example.
2: Right. If you have Stafford with these guys they had just last year, I think they would be be better. Plus, I still believe in De'Ami Brown to a degree. I think they still like him too. I'm I'm not going to dismiss that. So they could use more receiver help. I just don't think that's necessarily need to invest it because partly this team already is about to if they assuming they, you know, give McLaurin a deal.
4: That's true. And you know what? This is a quarterback league. This is a pass first quarterback league. Is this league where you have a quarterback and it changes the entire direction of your organization? Look no further than the Rams. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. And by the way, like you tell me, like if you have, if if the quarterback is Mitch Trubisky, but they go out and spend the 11th pick on a receiver or go big in free agency on a receiver, are you going to maximize that player? I know it's not just about the next year, but are you maximizing this investment you just made with that as your quarterback? I don't think so.
4: Yeah. True. No, those are those are good points. But here's the thing that's kind of frustrating. If they go out and get a veteran, are you even maximizing what you're doing in general? I mean, we've talked about there are warts in this free agent class. So no matter what, they're kind of stuck, right? They they're they're not building a team that wants to, you know, challenge the Dallas Cowboys next year. They're not. They're building a team that again is hoping to stumble into the playoffs and get lucky. And so then I wonder what is progress isn't progress defined by forward momentum and i just don't think another season like last year where you stumble into the playoffs can be categorized as forward momentum you have a new name new identity new this new that Uh, i think you have to build a solid foundation and you can't go back and change the mistakes that rivera has already made you can't go back and say well why didn't we prioritize a quarterback by now we'd be in year three and this guy would be ready uh But, you know, I don't know, Ben, like what would that make you feel better if they went out and they got a veteran quarterback about this team and about their chances? I mean, the whole point here is to win a Super Bowl. It's not to stumble into the first round and hope that you get lucky and hope that everything goes your way. Um, You know, there aren't a whole lot of Cinderella's in the NFL, and if there are, um, they show themselves pretty quickly. So I, I still don't really know if there's a good lane here to take if there's a good solution for this organization
2: well this is the problem that we're all running into we're talking about this topic over and over and over again when the reality is i, I wrote this a couple weeks ago we can keep making fun of the jimmy garoppolo's and the mitch trubisky's all we want they may be the best options available and that isn't definitively changing but what is changing is uh us talking we're gonna go take a break we'll be back ben standing Britt only here on 106.7 the fan
4: I have a question for you, Ben. Do you watch a lot of the Olympics?
2: This the one that just concluded. The answer would be no. I, I've spent more time with you today on this radio show than I did watching the Olympics combined.
4: Same. And here, here's what I don't understand, though. Like, I love the Olympics. I used to watch the Olympics so much growing up. Every night, I remember when it was on. We would watch the figure skating in my house and the you know, hockey and, you know, all the different crazy winter sports that you're like, how do these people even stand on this board, let alone um, do anything on it? And I just couldn't ever get into it. And they had closing ceremonies on Sunday. I say this, Ben, because I was watching TV over the weekend with my husband and I see, oh, the Olympics. I'm like, oh, we can finally watch some Olympics. And it's the literally the recap. It's the closing ceremonies. It's like the see you later, guys. This whole thing is over. And I'm like, man, I didn't watch any of it, and also I didn't hear about a lot of it.
2: Did you? So, no, not a ton. I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm on Twitter all the time. Uh, so ultimately, it kind of comes down to do people in my timeline kind of discuss it. There were a couple of moments. There was the. Uh, I think it was like the snowboarding comp, uh tag team event or something? I don't even know. That was actually kind of fun. L- Lindsay Jacob Ellis uh won one of her two gold medals in that. He- here's my thinking though on, on this now I'm older than you, and back in the day, when at every point in the calendar, all the sports had their moment in the sun, even the ones that were dealt with in the snow, like. The NFL was a sport that existed from the point of, like, say, training camp through the Super Bowl, and yes, there would be some off season, but it wasn't completely dominant the way it is now. Same thing with the NBA and so on, and that allowed other sports to have their moment, and thus skiing would be a somewhat regular event, at least in certain points on the calendar, maybe it was January or February or what have you, that we would see uh, Peekaboo Street and the the the, the Mayor Brothers or however whoever else existed. I don't hear any of those things anymore. Now I'm not an X games person. So I do know that that exists. And it does feel to me like the winter Olympics have morphed into that. And that maybe is also a bit of a, uh, a generation divide, but I just don't see it anymore because I can watch football 365 days a year in some capacity or the NBA or whatever. So these other things to me that were fun, but not my main thing, they just kind of get washed away and I don't see it. And then the Olympics come, I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are, and it doesn't mean that much to me.
4: Yeah, I was wondering, too, if like Twitter has almost ruined it, because if you want, you can see the results so much earlier than you can actually watch it, you know? And you're right. We live in this 24-7 news cycle. Like, I feel like I didn't have a clue what was going on with the Olympics, but you look at you know, like Michelle Kwan and like Oksana Bayul and Elvis Stoico. and Like, I used to grow up and watch these figure skaters and love them. And I didn't even figure skate. It's not like I was a particularly into it as a child. Um, In
2: 1994, when you had the Katerina Vitt versus Debbie Thomas. Oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. Like, I remember being at a bar like you would be on a Friday or Saturday night. But we were watching that. Like, yeah. that seems impossible to me that, that that would even be a thing now.
4: It's, yeah, and it's so crazy to realize. Like, is that why? Is it because all these sports have become these year-round endeavors? Is it because I'm refreshing Twitter and we're talking about a meeting that baseball had during a lockout when there's no baseball, and we spend an hour talking about a, a mock draft that you know the draft is not anytime really anytime soon. It's not like it's tomorrow. Um, so I do wonder if it's us to blame, if it's the, the shifting the media perspective. But you're right. I mean, you if you had walked into a restaurant or a bar in D.C. Would you have seen a lot of the Olympics on? Would it have been on, you know, a place that had maybe five screen options, maybe, but not your just regular one, two TV kind of place, right? Uh They they got on ESPN or NFL Network. And I mean, just look around here. We've got on NFL, Total Access Live, right? You know, you don't you don't really have on these like... was it just on NBC the whole time? Like, I don't even know. How is that possible?
2: Well, and even the people that were watching it, just based on what the ones I talked to, I don't get the sense that they were like, wow, I can't wait for this. It was just like, oh, the Olympics are on. I know there will be something unique and different, so I will watch it. But there's not like they're like, oh, I really need to see this thing happen. Now, granted, there are some people like, say, Michaela Schiffer. I was I, had, I was aware of who she was before we all started this, when Lindsey Vaughn was still a competitive uh, skier, like we obviously knew her, her story. And there's always a few here and there, but in general, they just kind of come in and then they just kind of go out. And I don't think people are watching it. Now the summer Olympics, a little bit different. Um, I, I do find myself watching those events more. I think that they're also a little more, slightly more relatable. I really love the swimming. Um, obviously the, the, the basketball is typically the NBA player. So you can, some people don't like it, but at least I know what that means, what I'm watching there and then track, it's also like the, the, the Summer Olympics, I think, are also a little more basic. Who can run the fastest? Who can swim the fastest? The skiing, I get it's ski the fastest, but like a lot of these events, I don't even know how we're judging it. <laughs> They're doing yeah. like triple axles and like, I, I, sure, you can tell me what's happening, but I can't. J- it's not a timer. It doesn't just tell me this person ran faster than that person.
4: Yeah. And I, I love the Olympics. I love sports. I just kind of been thinking about that the last like couple of days. Like, why didn't I care more about? The olympics and i don't know if that's just us if we're alone in that um if you have any thoughts on that 800-636-1067 did you really enjoy them and bet and i are just downers in our own little like world covering football covering baseball um that could be it as well um i just i just wonder if the way we consume sports is kind of shifting if you're just gonna have people turn into like one or two sport enthusiasts because it's really hard to follow along um when we live in a 24-7, 365 type of society, I think following a ton of sports, and I used to follow a lot more sports, um, just just becomes very difficult.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, it used to be every th- sport sort of had its moment. And now it is just one overlapping on the other And At least, yeah, I think also, to be honest, because we work here, at least for me, this was my hobby, and then it became my job. And at some point, you do want to get away from your job and while I don't cover skiing like it is still sports and all that stuff and it is fun to sort of do something completely else like watch a movie so there is a little bit of that too but yeah it is just hard to keep on top of everything and also the way I consume sports I really want to know like I don't just like passively turn on the TV I need to know what's going on who's the favorite what's the what's the story here what's the what's the the drama the backstory maybe even should I wager on it like I need to know some things I don't just passively jump in it's like oh that's that's fun
4: yeah, you know what, COVID, last thought on this, it, you know what I think I missed too? Not just the Olympic events, remember the side stories they used to have, like, like I used to love the swimming, like, Amy Van Dyken was, like, my hero, because mm-hmm. I did swim, and they would have, like, a, a five-minute interlude where they went through, they went to her family and her hometown, and they did a whole thing, and by the end of it, you're like, man, I'm pulling for this lady, like, I'm, I'm all in on, on her, um, and COVID has kind of rendered that impossible, right? What little I did watch, you don't get those. Little stories, those nuggets anymore, and so these Olympians, who most of us don't know who they are, so you have to you have to give us a reason to cheer, uh, are now nameless and faceless, and we don't have that emotional attachment. I,
2: I do think that's a big deal. The TV production, uh, you couldn't do those packages easily because of the fact that yeah, we have not been able to be around each other uh, in the same way for sure. Uh, but we are going to be around for the next hour till nine o'clock. Ben Standing, Britt coming up next. We have got one of the foremost authorities on Major League Baseball prospects. Keith Law from The Athletic will join us here on 106.7 The Fan.